the candidates, you know, didn't ever really have to confront these issues head on. But you have a black woman on stage who's saying we are in a community where we allow black football players um, to play on the field. And we were in an all white community, but the entire football team is black. And we don't think that these people need representation on the school board ever or people who, you know, you're not seeing everyone in your community uh, for real. And, you know, I. Again, being from Southern California, we think of ourselves as quite liberal, but we're not really living those liberal values. So it, it, um, it, it necessitated them addressing that. Welcome to the New Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Max Clow, Senior Director of Leadership Development at New Politics. On every episode, we'll be sitting down with a servant leader, a military veteran, or an alum of a civilian service program like AmeriCorps. Peace Corps. These are individuals who have served in the past and have chosen to step up and serve again through politics at this critical moment for our country. In a media landscape saturated with opportunities for politicians to talk about policies or current events, this is the podcast that focuses on what we like to call the inner journey. Where did their commitment to service come from? How did their service experiences forge their character? And how are they right now living and leading with courage and integrity at this incredibly toxic and partisan moment in our politics. We're going to learn a bit more about what makes these people tick. Today I sit down with Kiyomi Kowalski, a Marine Corps veteran who is currently running for school board in Las Virgenes, California, an upscale district near Los Angeles that includes residents like the Kardashians. This is Kiyomi's second time in the arena, after running for this same seat unsuccessfully in 2018. Over the course of her two campaigns, she's learned a lot about what it means to seek political office as a woman of color and a political outsider. And her campaign is a testament to the fact that just by courageously stepping into the arena, candidates have a powerful ability to change the discourse and advance issues at the heart of their campaign. She's a remarkable servant leader, and we're thrilled to welcome her to our show. Kiyomi, thank you so much for being with us on our podcast today. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you, Max, for having me. Great. So here's the question I like to open every uh, interview with. What is your earliest memory of learning the value of service? Oh, wow. That is quite a question that, that brings me way back. Um, I think my earliest memory of uh, learning the value of service was probably in high school in any real way. Um, you know, uh, when I ran for a junior class president, and actually even before I ran for president, I was someone else's campaign manager um, for really their bid to run for president. Yeah, <laughs> oddly enough. But uh, yeah, I, I realized how much impact you can have on your local community uh, through action just by that process alone and how much you can help someone elevate their voice um, through, through service. Um, so I think that was probably my earliest, earliest memory. Um, the, or even earlier than that, I remember um, the Rodney King uh, issue here. And we're right here near Simi Valley where they, uh, the, the cops got off for, um, for any, anyway. No need to explain. Yep. However, we know the <laughs> I remember mm -hmm. wanting to distribute a, uh, and I was like in the fifth grade or the fourth grade or something. And I remember uh, trying to put, uh, 
pass around a petition for people to sign in my uh, elementary school about the verdict. So I guess if we go way back, I haven't thought about it, but that was probably the first time I felt like a, a true advocate. I, I had no idea you couldn't petition your way out of a judgment, but right. <laughs> law right. school came much later. But you got your start early on. Yeah. That's great. And tell me, so you ended up enlisting in the Marine Corps and tell me how that came to be. What was that choice for you? Yeah, you know, um, I had an uncle who was a Marine and um, I started looking into it. I really realized um, it, I had a, didn't have a family that was gonna send me through college, right? So I needed to carve my own path there. Um, so I had an uncle who was a Marine and uh, it looked cool. And then I looked into the other branches and I was like, no, the Marine Corps is the baddest asses of the services. So. Say more. What, what was so attractive about the Marines? <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to say I'm a Marine. I know that, you know, their training is the hardest of, of all basic training. You know, you have to become a specialist for it to be, become much harder than the Marine Corps. Um, and just the pride that I would feel for getting through, uh, you know, such a, such a training process. And, you know, I'm, I was 18 at the time, so I didn't know anything. I don't think I could do it now, most certainly physically, but even mentally, most certainly not. Um, but that ignorance, you know, helped me through. <laughs> so I was able to, to pull that off. And I'm still proud to this day to say that I'm a Marine. I wouldn't want to say I was a member of any other branch. No shade. <laughs> Can you say a little bit more about what you learned? Uh, through basic training and through your time in the Marines? What, how did it forge your character? You know, I, uh, as a woman, I learned a lot about female camaraderie ship um, in the Marine Corps um, through, through basic training. I, you know, I still talk to a lot of the women that I went to boot camp with. I still talk to the women I was in, um, you know, basic, basic training and, um, job training beyond and, uh, you know, my first duty stations. One of the, the core values that I learned was just that women can do a lot together. And in the Marine Corps, I think there's probably one woman for every hundred men or right. more. Like, I mean, it's a very small group of us. Um, so it, I learned how important those, those relationships are with women. And I've, and, and that's carried me throughout my whole life. And give us a little bit about your life history. How long were you in the Marine Corps again? I was active duty for four years. Four years. And as you as you know, um, there's a back end to that. So you're active duty for four and then inactive for four. Um, oddly enough, uh, I got out September 7th of 2001. And... Wow. <laughs> and was not recalled um okay which was interesting i i always joke i'm like they didn't want me back um but <laughs> I, I was fortunate enough not to be uh, recalled so um i you know went to basic training women are trained only in paris island so um men are trained on both coasts both paris island and uh camp pendleton in, in california um uh, but women have to go to paris island which i think is a really tough place to uh, to be basically trained. Um, I still have the scars to prove it from the sand fleas and everything. Um, but, 
I remember graduating and um, going on to to learn a job and um, I got married my first time because I thought I was such an adult and I was so fancy. <laughs> it was such a dumb decision. Um, but, uh, you know, I was 19 and um, gosh, my first duty station was really a tough situation. Um, I have to say I was um, stationed with my husband at the time, which was great. And he was a really hard worker. And um, I think men are looked at as hard workers and then the women are something else. Like you do something else. And certainly, no matter what you do. And I, yeah. And I don't think I was um, mature enough to understand that and, and overcome it. So I was angry a lot of the time. Um, women just were not treated well. Um, you know, I I remember our uh, our runs. I had this lieutenant that was insane. He was a bodybuilder, and he <laughs> he would take us out on these really gnarly runs. In and it, this was in Twenty Nine Palms. Okay, so this is the desert, and as desert as desert gets, and we're running sometimes with full gear, sometimes I mean miles and miles, and. And I just hated my life. And he would always say, you've got to pull it together. And you've got to, I, be, I became an incredible runner and my body was amazing right, during that right. time. But mm-hmm. I was very bitter about it to the point that I didn't run again until relatively recently. <laughs> <laughs> I later. actually enjoy it now. Okay. Nice. <laughs> lieutenant Forsberg, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's not a lieutenant anymore. So it was some tough stuff, some tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got out of the military and you went to undergrad and then law school? I did. I got out of the Marine Corps and then I went to um, junior college, which um, was a good place to start for someone who just uh, wasn't into the college experience just yet. Um, uh, college of the Canyons. And then I went to... Um, undergrad at uh, Cal State Northridge where I majored in political science something that people don't know you know Cal State Northridge is a huge school um, they're known for their business school but and, and it's really a commuter college um, but uh, the political science department was really really awesome and it was small super small and um, I got such a great education there and there were so many influential teachers in that department and um, so I went from there to um, law school at Southwestern Law School in L.A., whoop, whoop, Bison's. And, um, you know, we're known to be the school of judges. So if you're a Los Angeles judge, you likely uh, graduated uh, from Southwestern. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I'm proud of that. And it was a very practical uh, legal experience. You know, my partner went to Yale and we had very different law school experiences. But it was very practical. Like, how do you practice on the ground? Um, I did not end up really practicing. Um, I've decided to take the family route. Um, but yeah, I, I love to have graduated from law school and have that behind my name. And so tell us how you got to the decision to run. You ended up running for school board in Las Virginias. Yes. Tell us how you got to that decision. How'd that oh, come about? gosh. Very hastily. Um, so... <laughs> um, one of the things I do say, and I'll, you know, I ha- I'll have some advice at the end and I will repeat it, 
but don't get mad one day and run for office. And really, um, that's what I did. Um, it was right after the election in 2016 that really changed everyone's um, lives and uh, paradigm about um, their place in America and what America looks like, especially people of my stripe. I know that we represent um, both sides of the aisle, but I am on a particular side of the aisle. And I will say that it was, um, it shook me. Um, I had recently moved to this uh, jurisdiction um, the within the same year, I guess, um, like, I, I guess a year prior. And um, I was sorting out which middle school I was going to send my, my son to, who's now 13. He's now two years into middle school. And I went to, um, you know, uh, evaluate them. I, this area is in Calabasas. It's an affluent area. Um, you know, we're known by the Kardashians. <laughs> but I, at any rate, I went to look at the schools and uh, it was a really, really tough uh, situation to first of all realize that um, we are outliers um, I, as a black woman I, you know I might have a son who is uh, uh, biracial um, and uh, seeing that there is a lack of representation in their leadership their teachers um, and then seeing how that trickles down and um, impacts uh, the overall community so just on the school tour there were several things that just uh, called out to me oh my gosh they need help and putting that together with the election and realizing uh, you know a lot of things of how I grew up specifically with a uh, in a uh, predominantly white community um, I thought, oh my gosh, somebody has to do something. And when you say somebody has to do something, that somebody is always you. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I decided to put my money where my mouth is. And um, I ran a campaign uh, for school board. Um, I thought, you know, I, I think local politics is really where it's at um, as it pertains to politics. Of course, um, national level politics is important and uh, you know that gets the most attention, but our local politics are really the things that, that impacts our children and impacts our daily lives. So I did that, <laughs> I ran. <laughs> and you know, we're a community trying to invite more servant leaders like yourself into politics. And we're always interested, how did your military experience inform your approach to the campaign? Or, uh, you know, how, how did that part of your life influence this political experience? Uh, you know, I, I will say, and this is something that I do say, and I don't mean to be flip. I do think that um, there are things that open doors for people. And, uh, you know, I... Um, I don't know that I was in a place in my life um, between 18 and 21 to really um, grasp um, what the military was doing for me at that time. But I know the respect that I get uh, based on saying that I was a Marine and, and that I am a Marine, frankly, because we're always Marines. Always. Um, that is one thing that is true of us. Um, it, it opens doors. So I'll say that um, if a man who is, you know, of older age, likely white in Calabasas, uh, says to me, well, uh, what, how are you qualified? Oh, I see you're a, you're a Marine. I'm like, yes, you know, and that opens people's eyes a little bit to um, my work ethic and, um, you know, just a little bit. It changes the shade of how people view me. Um, and I think that particularly was more helpful than, than anything. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. And so you, you ran for a seat on the school board in Las Virginis. Uh, you didn't win, which is a possibility for anybody who chooses to enter the arena. But what lessons did you take from the experience? Looking back uh, besides on that. The pre- yeah, besides the uh, aforementioned don't get mad and run for office one day, I, ju- uh, I wasn't prepared uh, to do a nuts and bolts campaign. I didn't understand uh, the lay of the land in this community. You know, having, I, I had a history in this community. I've been on the board of my synagogue for some years now um, and have always actively participated locally. Um, my synagogue is located in Calabasas, but um, having moved my kids to school here, um, it it, it took a different shape. I had to, I I didn't know the lay of the land and I really needed to know that and the, you know, the stakeholders and things that are important there. Um, Running as an outsider, I think, uh, is one of the things that I, I learned. It can be really good and it can be really terrible right so unpack that um, say more about that yeah um i i think when you're in a community especially coming off the 2016 election people were looking for some fresh voices and some um fresh perspectives um and i definitely was able to capitalize on that but what you don't realize until you're well into the process is um how the sausage is truly made in your community and you know Look, politics is politics is politics. Uh, you know, it, it trickles down to the school board all the way up to um, the presidency, right? Um, it's it, it, people are forging their own paths and their own inroads. And if you are coming in from the outside, you don't have that perspective very well. Um, you know, you, you don't have it mapped out as well, unless you have someone um, guiding your hand. And I did not, I was a complete outsider. There was nothing on the inside about me at the time. Um, I thought that was great. And I think people were refreshed by that idea. Um, and we got really close considering I was running against three incumbents. So I was a sole um, challenger against three incumbents who were, you know, well entrenched in their positions and really wanted to stay on the board longer. Um, and they had their groundwork laid already. And I just was not ready for that type of, you know, cause you're not getting into the, the rooms where they're going to give you the money and you're not getting into the rooms where um, people are going to talk to you and talk about you and make sure that you are connected to the right people. We, I just was completely on the outs um, and it showed in a lot of ways um so yeah i would i would say run as an outsider sure but be prepared for that to be um uh, heartbreaking at times um and there were a lot of moments like that for me can you say a little bit more about that like what were the the challenges along the route recognizing you were running as an outsider and and you know that's part of the dynamic of your campaign but what was challenging as a candidate along the way so I, there was there's a, there's a couple situations that come to mind. Um, one of the first situations was um, I came across a community member was who was really excited about my campaign and she wanted to help me in any way um, possible. Um, and she's very popular in the community. Um, so she invited me to an event um, and said, "Oh, please come." Um, and the day before, she said, I'm not going to be able to make it myself, but you should still go. And I said, well, why don't you discuss this with um, 
the people holding the event, it was a it was a campaign event for the mayor of Calabasas um, and two you know uh, prominent members of the community um, were there and along with other luminaries of Calabasas, <laughs> if you will. Um, so uh, we get to uh, so she she ends up calling me and says absolutely. They said it's fine. Please come. Blah blah blah. I said okay. So I pick up my husband and myself and I said, listen, well, husband-ish. Um, I say, listen, you know, we got go to go do this thing. And he hates this thing, right? <laughs> I'm like, we got to go. So and Pantro. Mm -hmm. Put on our Sunday's best and uh, roll up to the uh, the gates, um, you know, because Calabasas, a lot of them are behind gates. So we roll up to the gates of the fancy place. And um, this is, uh, the, the guy at the gate says, I don't see you on the list, but... Um, I, go ahead in because he called um, called up and they said they to, that you're you should go ahead in and um, sort it out. Fine. So we drive up, we are parked, and we're walking. And as we're walking, a staffer is coming towards us and said, uh, "Miss Kowalski," and I said, "Yes, um, I can't let you into this event." And I <laughs> said, "Are you kidding me? Like what?" Well. Um, you know, it's a private event and da 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 da. And, you know, the whole thing goes down. And I was just, first of all, mortified, right? And my, my partner, who hates anything like this anyway, he was just like, Are you kidding? So um, we get in the car and I am burning up um, because I know that the other school board uh, members are, of course, they're in the room. In this home. Yeah, of course, they're in the room. Um, but I, <laughs> there was a silver lining. I'm an insider and an outsider at once. My my partner's aunt was the first woman mayor of Calabasas, and um, she knows all of these people. And um, I don't. I didn't tout that around at the time, certainly. Um, but uh, <laughs> she almost blew up the whole community for me, which was lovely. Um, she's dearly departed in the last year. Um, mm, sorry. So uh, she's yeah, she's quite a loss um, because she was a real firecracker. Um, <laughs> but she she was mad. She pulled endorsements. She said, "I will never endorse you ever again. This is the most tacky thing I've ever heard. I cannot believe." You know, the optics are bad. This is a community that has never had a non-white representative. Um, on the school board um, ever, and or, or I don't even know if anyone non-right has been mayor um, or on their accounts. And anyway, it was a bad look, um, and I. It, but it was it was painful for me because I felt it on a couple levels. I felt I first of all felt embarrassed. I felt ostracized um, because my campaign was specifically highlighting this thing, right? Like we are in a community where backroom deals are made and here is the back room and here is me getting shunned away because right. yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, and I have to say part of it was quite naive for me to think that it would be anything else, right? <laughs> so again, my ignorance working in my favor, but um I, that was that was that was tough. Like yeah. that's a very specific story of how you can just uh, it, 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 campaigning, especially from the outside, can be very painful. Yeah. So a lot of the 
servant leaders in our community, when they think about politics, they think, you know, it's hard and, and I'm going to get knocked down sometimes. And how do you, mm-hmm. how do you keep going? What did you say to yourself? What did you, how do you kind of stay in the race after something? Wow. Like yeah. <laughs> um, I, it was hard. I cried a bit. Like I hate to admit it. I'm a Marine, but I cried and I was mad. Um, I had to decide how to channel that anger though, and what I was going to do with it. Um, one person, I, I was put in touch with um, Brendan, Brendan Mills. My colleague and, um, in politics. Yes, he's wonderful. Um, he's really awesome. And um, he had to talk me off a ledge um, because, I, and not, not to say he needed to keep me in the race. Um, I immediately defaulted to my go along to get along um, way. Um, again, raised in a a predominantly white community that was white supremacist, really, if you think about it. Our crosstown rival, I tell people all the time, was Johnny Rebel, complete with Confederate flag. Like, and that was in 97, you know, Um, I think they just got rid of it in 96 or 97. and so that's uh, you know, that's how I was raised. So I, um, even though I don't think that's necessarily what my parents wanted for me, but that's what was around me. And so I defaulted to this. Um, oh, okay, I'm gonna just don't make waves. Slide and not make waves because mm-hmm. and Brendan was like, "What the hell? <laughs> make waves! Your entire campaign is about making waves. Like you can't." So um, he had to. He had to coach me through that. And it's so crazy to have this white guy from uh, that I've never met before. <laughs> you know, we just know each other over the phone. Tell me, lady, find your blackness and like <laughs> go hard. Um, so, so yeah, I, 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 it took a second for me to find my footing there. But um, when I finally leaned into my campaign and my authentic voice through my campaign, Mm. instead of trying to pretend what I thought white people in Calabasas wanted to hear, right? And saying those things, which was really troublesome for me, um, really. um, I'm just not that type of person. So um, if I cannot speak from my heart or, you know, and really the things that, that I feel I can't speak at all. And I was finding myself constantly tripping up on words because I was always go- having to go through the process of what do these people need to hear in their way to do it? But like, that's nonsense. My people will hear me and they did. And I need to speak as plainly as my people need to hear. Like I, there will be some people who will be completely turned off by me and that's fine. I'm not everyone's politics. It's politics. I'm not everyone's cup of tea in life. Like, and that's something that I was always comfortable with in life. Um, but it, it, it was really highlighted through the campaign process. Uh, it, it, some of the things that I, I lean back on and, uh, and don't need to. They're not serving me. Would you say that your campaign shifted the, the nature of the conversation? Through that, like, how did your running for for this office um, impact the community? I, I I love to say I look. I lost, but we we won the conversation. Um, I the candidates, you know, didn't ever really have to confront these issues head on. But you have a black woman on stage who's saying we are in a community where we allow black football players um, to play on the field, and we 
we're in an all white community, but the entire football team is black. And we don't think that these people need representation on the school board ever, or people who, you know, you're not seeing everyone in your community uh, for real. And, you know, I, again, being from Southern California, we think of ourselves as quite liberal, but we're not really living those liberal values. So it, it, um, it, it necessitated them addressing that in some way. And I do feel like, especially after the campaign, um, cause I forged some inroads and some friendships afterwards, you know, friendships. <laughs> you colleagues. Afterwards, yeah, colleagues, thank you. I like that. Um, frenemies. Uh, so I, I, they were definitely forced to, to evaluate how the community proceeds. Um, and I, And that was due to our campaign, and I don't say my campaign because it certainly was not me. It was a, it was an us. Um, there were people who jumped on my bandwagon uh, from high school kids that would break your heart. Like uh, they dedicated so much love and support to the campaign to this random woman uh, who they didn't ever know, but they they knew that they wanted this person to be on the school board to speak for for them. Um, and uh, so many community members that came out and said, yeah, like I, this is always the trouble with this community and I want to see more of you out there. And, uh, you know, uh, you just, uh, campaigns um, bring out the worst in people, but they also bring out the best. One thing that's great is people will just write you like randomly. I mean, some person, you know, one, one, um, two of the high school um, kids wrote me and just said, we're so impressed with your campaign. What can we do to walk for you and blah, blah, blah. They walked their communities and they encouraged their um, neighbors to vote for me and stated so articulately and, and with zero, um, zero coaching why they supported me and it was it blew me away i didn't i couldn't have put it any better so um well, say more yeah, what sort was, of things were they saying to you yeah you know so i so two of the kids one of the kids is, is younger and he he said um i i want to walk for you let's walk in my neighborhood and we'll knock on doors and he literally i swear i i'm not joking he literally lived across the street from one of the people i was campaigning against of so course. he of course. Okay. sign in the yard and of course his parents have to co-sign on all of that and they're just like look if he's into it we, if, if he likes it we love it um and we walked his neighborhood very proudly on his birthday wow. it was uh yeah and, and like I, and I said to him, you know, he was like, he's like 15 at the time, 14, 15, I guess he was turning 15. And I said, uh, don't you want to do something else? He's like, I wouldn't want to do anything else on my birthday besides this. Like, and he was thrilled about it. And then this other kid, um, and he, you know, of course was knocking doors and he brought his friends out to do that. But this other um, kid who was, um, he was older and he was a, always on you know school council and things like that uh he was really impressive because we walked around his community and the first door we went to because i of course i have no idea i've just got my wagon of propaganda and i've got my team behind me and so i'm just like all right let's knock these doors hello and um the first door that we came to his community the person didn't look at me they looked at him and they said why do you support this person like I, I don't want to hear from her. Like, I, you know, like, listen, I'm going to hear the campaign slogan, blah, 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 the elevator pitch. I'm not interested. Why do you support? 
And he said, um, our community needs um, these to hear different voices. And um, this woman is um, really uh, about elevating voices that aren't heard. I think she hears us. And, you know, I, I was just like, oh. <laughs> I was not prepared for his answer. I certainly had not prepared him for his answer, which I think in hindsight, I probably should have prepared him in some way like, oh, here's, but we you know, I'm just like ad hoc, you know, knocking on doors. Um, and the way he put it in so confidently and so eloquently, I didn't even recognize that person he was describing as myself, you know? So <laughs> it was really impressive. And I, I, I am really grateful for, for the kids. And there, you know, there were other people from the community who jumped on the campaign. Uh, I had a real trouble with, um, cause I was doing everything. Like, right. Um, when you're, I, when you don't know campaigning, I'm doing, I, I, I'm party planner, I'm, uh, you know, social networking person, you know, I'm doing all the things and not ever being a candidate, right? So, uh, it, which I think is a, a real problem. That's why you have a team so you can continue to be the candidate. But I was just always doing the finances and the, the you know, uh, all parts. this person give right. me more than a hundred dollars and, you know, um, so she came on the team and said, I'd like to help you with your um, social social networking and um, be your communications coordinator. And I was like, uh, okay, great. <laughs> and she leaned into this position and she was like a local mom blogger who really believed in it and, uh, you know, made her whole life about this campaign for a good few months. And I, for that, I will be uh, forever grateful. So yeah, it's just, it, it, the community comes out in ways that are so surprising to you. I had a young woman write me because she met me in a farmer's market and said, I'd like to take photographs for you. And do. it's just, it, it is, it's overwhelming because for all those doors that are slammed in your face, there are 20 more people who are like, how can we help? And that it's, um, it's humbling to say the least. So we have a lot of, servant leaders in our community and they kind of have this attitude of I'm only going to run if I'm sure I'm going to win. What would you say to them? I would say, um, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I would say that's the wrong attitude. I think, um, I have to say having lost this election was a real, uh, was, a, was a great thing for me. Like, I, I, look, I would Explain. have loved to Never. serve. I, I would have loved to serve. I think that that's, uh, I, I think that's goes without saying. Um, and I was ready to, to serve in that position. But the things that I learned about my community and myself um, uh, through this process uh, and failing at this process are invaluable. I just, I think if you, certainly you want to win and I, I, but you can't guarantee that. Like, you know, like yeah, there's whatever. Never guarantee. It's never a guarantee. And, you know, even people who think they have it locked down sometimes just don't, right? Um, you, you have to go into it thinking, I'm going to change and elevate my community. Of course, I want to win. And of course, that's important. But I think people who lose campaigns learn a heck of a lot more from, when the, from people who um, win campaigns as their first, you know, first First go out, you know, yeah. um, I mean, I, hey, Barack Obama, I'm in good company. Barack Obama did a yep. uh, Cory Booker, man, mm -hmm. hey, mm -hmm. come on. 
you, you know, um, and they pulled themselves back up and learned so much from it. And they wouldn't be the statesmen they are today without those losses. So I, I, I feel like I'm in pretty good company there. Absolutely. And I, I, and I think that you shouldn't hesitate to run just because you can't guarantee a win because you can't, you can't, you never can. Yeah. So what advice do you have for those servant leaders out there, folks who've done the military or AmeriCorps, Peace Corps, and they're looking at the headlines today and thinking about it? What's your advice for them? I'd say research a lot. Uh, <laughs> don't get mad one day and run for office. That Please let that quote be mine. Um, <laughs> remember that. Um, but then look into it and, and, and really search yourself as to why you want to run. If, if, if there is, a, if, you know, I think a lot of people get into politics um, with good intentions. Unfortunately, not all, I can't say, but um, a lot of people get into politics with good intention and, and lose their way. I think um, some of the work that we did uh, through New Politics Academy um, was really important. I, you know, I came into MPLA thinking, I've spent the money at the therapist and I've done all the, the work, like uh, if we could just like move. And, and so, you know, I was working through the exercise and I thought, you know, very, oh, okay, well, that, that makes sense. And this makes sense. And then what you realize is when you're campaigning, all of these things that have been your, the monkey on your back for your whole life. And uh, they uh, come to the, to the forefront. So really search yourself, do a program like um, new politics Academy, because uh, it, even though it wasn't nuts and bolts, how to run a campaign, this internal work is probably more important. I think because you can't be a candidate if you don't know why you're there in any real way. And if you haven't clarified that for yourself internally and, and you at least worked out some of the obstacles that will be in your way, certainly you can't remove them all. And I think that, um, you know, some things you just have to learn through uh, fire, right? Um, but just be ready to, to, to even be prepared for that. Because I don't think it, I, I think that I would not have been at all remotely prepared for all of the um, feelings I was uh, feeling um, throughout the campaign process were it not for the um, internal work and the foundations that were set through New Politics Academy. Great. That is our, it's our intention is to uh, be of service <laughs> and to recognize that a, a lot of uh, organizations don't talk so much about yeah. inner peace. Yeah, you know, so I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an Emerge alum. Um, I went through Emerge after um, in PLA and uh, it, it's a very different um, perspective where we're talking about service and what calls us to serve and uh, the internal things that are really um, going to mess with you um, while campaigning and really putting yourself out there, putting yourself into the arena, as they say. Um, Emerge is like a, like a different type of network where it's very very based on women and democratic mm -hmm. women, uh, mm -hmm. very specifically, uh, pro, pro choice, uh, democratic women. Um, it, 
that was a completely different education. Um, yes, there were uh, a lot of nuts and bolts, but also like remembering as a woman, some of the things that I go through. Cause it, um, even though a female camaraderie ship has always been um, a thing I'm about, you know, especially through um, the Marine Part Corps, story, I think we, sure. yeah, I think we forget that at times, how, um, how critical it is, you know? Um, and, and then when you're in a room of women, um, who really were, you know, I, I always joke around. I'm like, oh my gosh, I found my people. It's the P, you know, Fantastic. it's the PTA Fantastic. nerds yep. or the, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the mono UN people right. or whatever. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a whole group of us. Um, I, I just being able to talk to other women about their challenges and especially women who are intersectional um, about their challenges. Uh, it, 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 those, these, between New Politics Academy and Emerge, um, I became a complete person, regardless of what my political career looks like. Wow, that's powerful. And, you know, I can't resist asking, we have seen kind of the most diverse group of folks running for office at all levels. Any particular advice for people of color, for women of color? Lean in, man. Um, Don't don't let your message get watered down. I think it's, it's easy to listen to advisors and uh, you know, and I, of course, definitely listen to your advisors. However, there is a reason you were called um, to run and uh, in your own heart uh, and stay, stay true to that. Um, There is, people can feel your truth and, and if you build it, they will come. Uh, It won't be for everyone. Unfortunately, that's just the state of things. That's politics. But mm-hmm. Just, le- but lean into you, and I, and it, I have to say, um, Brendan taught me that. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Kiyomi. And you know, I can say, I know for Brendan and I, it was just an honor to be connected to you on your journey to watch you walk this path, and really appreciate your sharing your wisdom uh, with us and with our community of servant leaders thinking about this. Um, so, I do want to end with one question. You know, it's challenging times. We're doing this interview in the middle of COVID. Is there, is there a nonprofit in your community that is uh, you'd like to lift up and invite people to support at this time? Oh, thank you for asking, first of all, and, and thank you for having me and always supporting me uh, through everything. I love that I can send you an email and hear back very shortly. I'm Absolutely. like, this man is a celebrity amongst people. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I really appreciate you all. Um, yes, there is a nonprofit that I worked with through law school, and I continue to work with them. It's called uh, Law Project of Los Angeles. So lawprojectlosangeles.org. Um, um, we are an organization that uh, works for uh, post-conviction remedies for people who have prior criminal records, as well as um, advocate for system-involved youth and families. Um, it's, it's critical that we um, s- stop the process from uh, the, the school-to-prison pipeline, and I, I think these advocates um, are necessary for for people who who don't understand their rights and know that they can have advocacy behind them. So uh, lawprojectla.org, please visit us. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Kiyomi, for taking your time and for all you're doing. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It was lovely to be here. This has been the New Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Max Cloud. 
Thanks for listening, and I hope you join us for our next episode when we meet another servant leader who has chosen to step up and serve through politics. If you want to learn more about New Politics and the candidates that we support, please check us out online at newpolitics.org. And I'll leave you with this question. How do you feel called to serve at this critical moment for our country? Thanks for joining, and I hope to see you back again soon.